chapter 29, verse 18. If you have your Bible, hopefully you do. Take and turn there. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there's no vision, the people will perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You ever wondered what a church looks like? Maybe you've been a part of a church. Uh, that died. You know, I've asked Jody to throw up a couple of pictures. I think this is what looks like or what it looks like when a church loses its vision. Don't that look impressive? Church for sale, reduced price. Now, some of you know where that church is at, if you know anything about Jackson. That used to be the First Baptist Church of Jackson's facility. They sold that to a group who came in, and they didn't make it. They died. I'm of the understanding that as I stood with the vision of where we are today, not exactly the way I want it to be, but I stood out on Brownbridge Road, and right where we sit was a mountain, trees. The dirt that we built on, not so much this one, but the front building was the poorest dirt, the sorriest dirt in Newton County. But yet, We had a vision. You see, I think that a vision is necessary, not so the church one day can be sold, but so we can do what Jesus said we're to do. I want to speak to you on the power of vision. And and, and in the process of that, I wonder, do you even have one? Do you have a vision for your own life? Do you have a vision for your kids? Do you have a vision on the job that you that you serve on? But as a believer, we too are supposed to have a vision. And I don't believe it's that difficult. Matter of fact, the power of the vision that I'm speaking of involves a plan. You see, the plan is not our plan. I would have never dreamed the plan up that Jesus did. It was Helen Keller who said, who, by the way, was blind, worse than being blind would be to be able to see but not have a vision, not really care why you're put here and the reason that solid rock was planted in this community. Two prisoners were looking out a jail cell. One looked at the bars. The other saw the stars. 
That's the difference of someone who has no vision and then one who does. When we think about vision, I'm talking about not the bottom of the ladder where it's crowded with those who can see further, no further than their nose. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, when I talk about vision, I'm talking about seeing something come about before it does. You see, I'm sure many of you have your families and you had a vision of a family or maybe it didn't work out for you or, or maybe you've lost your spouse and so your vision is kind of shifted or changed. But when it comes to God's church with God's people, I believe the vision remains the same. In 1978, God called my wife and I into the gospel ministry. We started in Graceville, Florida in 1978 by going to Bible college. You say, well, why'd you have, you don't have to go to Bible college. Well, I did. I didn't know enough about the Bible to even give a 10 minute devotion, much less. I'd never been to a deacon's meeting. I'd only done like many of you, and I'm not trying to slam anybody, but you show up on Sunday, and that's, I'll see you next Sunday. But I just want you to know, and I'm not trying to, to dog you, but the vision is bigger than that. It's more extensive than that. But see, I had fell in that same pattern myself until God called a carpenter framing houses in the ministry. I never thought about attendance ever being off or money down or the deacons mad at you or the personnel committee pulling you in. I never thought about stuff like that. You don't until you pastor. Now, there are a lot of committees that I decided when we started Solid Rock, we weren't going to start. And most of those committees that we did not start were ones that in the traditional church setting was tearing them apart. It was keeping them from their vision. And so I said, well, if it'll keep you from doing what God wants you to do, then don't start it. Don't call it that. Through the years, we've had different men in the ministry that I call or are true deacons. But in the average church, they've been married before. They couldn't serve as a deacon. Split the church. So my, my idea is if you do the work of a deacon, just don't call yourself a deacon. Just do the work. You see, the vision is still as strong in me as it was over 30 years ago when 1989 when we started Solid Rock. The difference is I need Jesus to get a hold of you. I can't do this, and neither could I do it when I started. I can't do this by myself. I've got to have your help. And and I'll get part of you. As Josh preached last Sunday, 20% of you are already involved, and they go, well, I'm, I'm already involved. Count me in. Well, what about some of you that are not involved? What about some of you, you say, well, what are you asking me to do? Well, let's just stick to the plan. Throw up number one there, Jody. 
power of vision involves a plan. What's the plan? Well, let Jesus say it. Luke 19, 10. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. To seek and to save. Now, we can't save anybody. I've had different people through the years come up to me and say, Boy, preacher, Mike, I, I, you're my buddy. You saved me. I go, oh, my goodness. If I saved you, you're going to bust hell wide open. But what about the seeking? You know, when Jesus came, he didn't come to put up an elaborate building. He just came and walked among the people. And then he called out 12 disciples. And he began to teach those 12. You say, well, that's not a very big church. Tell me about it. You just tell me about it. That's what we started with at Solid Rock. I'm going to tell you what, that wasn't no fun. Because all of my membership, but about three or four of them were over 60 years old. Of course, now I'm so over 60 years old, and I don't see anything wrong with it. (laughs) But we had a vision. We also had a church that we left that had a for sale sign on it just like that. It was on the corner of Wesley Chapel and South Harrison. You ever sold a church? If you're going into real estate, don't make that your first adventure. It's no fun. If this church has lost its vision, then we're going to see a for sale sign in the years ahead on this building. Is that what you want? Is that that what moves you to be here? To die? You say, Mike, you shouldn't lay that heavy burden on me. I didn't. Jesus did. He came... To seek and to save the lost. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. This is the Father now. He does not want anyone to perish. So he's given us more time so everyone can repent. You say, well, why won't Jesus just come on back and get us? Because the Father is being patient. And it ain't time yet. We got a job to do. We got some seeking out to do. Now, unless I have a church here... And I know some of the guys at Damascus Road, they can't do that because you're confined to quarters. (laughs) I got it. But not everybody is. 
Are you a lone ranger? I mean, do you just don't care anything about people or their destiny or their future? Do you care? Do you really care? Well, we'll test the waters in a minute. In Luke 16, I want to show you somebody that cared. It was just too late for him. Turn with me if you would. We're going to read it. Luke 16. You there? Say amen if you're there. Jesus said. Who said it? Wasn't me. There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed, who lived each day in luxury. I know all y'all have this hopes of hitting the lottery or becoming a millionaire. Well, this dude had done it. He had arrived. He had everything that he could think of. Most of us have a lot more thinking of than we do what we have in our pocket. We can come up with a whole lot more things we'd like to have than we can afford. Not him. At his very door, the Bible says, a diseased beggar named Lazarus. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs came and licked his open sores. As, as Lazarus, they're longing for the scraps, rich dogs. Okay, my eyes jumped. Finally, the beggar died and was carried by the angels. You say, who's coming to get me when I die? Angels. I hear how people all say, well, Jesus is coming. Well, he might, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get an angel. To be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to a place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Lazarus from a far distance. In the bosom of Abraham. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus over to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in anguish in these flames. I hear people say, I don't believe that there's fire and hell. Okay. Believe what you want to. That's not what this says. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime, you had it made. You had everything that you ever wanted. Lazarus, on the other hand, he spent a life in anguish, poverty, desiring to be fed from the scraps, rich man, from your table by which you didn't give him. Now, some say that the the positive side of the dogs licking the wounds is that there are some healing agents in the dog's tongue. I don't know if that's true or not. It don't sound like it's true, but it may be. So you let that dog kiss you in the mouth. Go ahead, I reckon. (laughs) 
Abraham said, there's a great chasm separating us. In other words, when you and I end up over on the other side, if we were to see into hell, we couldn't do nothing about it. It's fixed. It's set. It's eternal. So now, he said, anyone that wants to cross over to you from here is stopped at its edge, and no one there can cross over. Then the rich man said, but Father Abraham, do you hear me, Abraham? Please let Lazarus, paraphrasing now, rise from the dead. And go to my father's house. And do what? Tell my brothers about this horrific place. Warn them, Father. Through Lazarus, though one rose from the dead, they'll listen to him. A miracle will change their mind. He said, no. If they'll not hear the prophet, They'll not hear Moses. If they'll not listen to the word of God, though one rose from the dead, they will not respond. Now, friend, do you want to wait till you get to the other side to wake up? I know good and well that you're not all together a lone ranger. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention, that don't mean much to you guys, and it really don't mean a lot to me. But he made a plea to all of Georgia Baptists, and this is his plea. Commit yourself to influencing one couple one person and get them to church. You say, that's not important. It probably isn't. Maybe that's the reason you're not doing it. Last Sunday, somebody said, weren't you so proud when your son was preaching? Yes, I'm proud, but I get nervous too. Because, I mean, that's my son. And if he makes some kind of major theological Blunder, you're going to nail him to the cross. Not as bad as it would be if he was somewhere else as the pastor. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, because I knew right after the service, I'm leaving for Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we did. Ruby's still falling. I'll never go down that place again. I'm glad I wasn't claustrophobic. How many of you been to Ruby Falls? Raise your hand. Yep. Yep. Hope you feel my pain. I go like I always do. Go to the back door, and, and I'll do today, and I'll smile. How you doing? Good to have you here. Bless your little pea-picking heart. And then all of a sudden, Rick, a guy comes up to me and says, Will you talk to my two boys? Uh-oh. Somebody got in trouble? No, they need to talk to you. Now, that was the grandparents brought their two boys, two grandsons to church. I went in the counting room. 
I had to stop gra- smiling. You know, I feel like a politician. So, hey, it's good to see. But I do that from my heart. I'm not fake and phony about what I'm doing. I love y'all. Believe it or not, I do love you. So I look at these two little boys, and they wouldn't come in. The grandparents wouldn't come in. I said, good night. What am I going to do? So I looked them two boys in the face, and they said, I said, y'all get in trouble or something? No, sir. I said, well, what you want to talk to me about? And both of them said, we want to get saved. Now, I kind of remember Joshie's message because I preached Matthew 9, 38, where the workers are few. And boy, don't think I wouldn't like to bear down on that. He did a good enough job. I don't know that anybody invited other than the grandparents of those two grandkids, and those two grandkids got saved. I thought to myself, what if they hadn't have brought them that Sunday? So, uh, did I have a Bible? Okay. (laughs) My vision's going. Isn't it amazing? That even in hell, you say, I don't believe in hell. I don't care what you don't believe in. Jesus says there is a place called hell. And if for no other reason, we should be burdened for souls. Those two people were burdened for their grandsons. I could see it. They wanted them to get saved. Now, they didn't come down the altar, Carl. They didn't, they just looked look me up. Now, look, I'll take that every day. You, if you say, well, I've never shared, has anybody ever won anybody to the Lord? Raise your hand if you have. You've led people to Christ. So you know what that's like, and many of you don't. I mean, let me tell you something. I, I just soon never preach and just lead people to cheat. But you know what? I don't know who you know. Solid rock has grown the way it has because of people you know. Not who I know. I met them two boys there for the first time. But grandparents got serious. They wanted them to hear from God. And I'll tell you what, this is not a perfect church, but one thing I have noticed, the Holy Spirit's free to work. How many brothers do you have that need to come to Jesus? You say, well, I just don't think, Mike, that's my position. I I just don't think that that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, listen to Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus declared that I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. In verse 19, he says, therefore, go. And do what? Make disciples. Solid Rock Baptist Church, I confess and repent. And our staff is seeking to do something about it in our area of discipleship. We've got a beautiful time Sunday evening that we can have discipleship groups all throughout this church. But you know what? If you don't care and you don't come, they won't happen. But we want it to happen. And we're going to shoot for it. And, 
and, and as we get it all organized and planned out. But you also must be willing to go. You know what that means in the, the Greek verb tense? While you're going. I called a preacher friend of mine. I said, he's 74 years old. He's in Tifton, Georgia. And I said, hey, man, is it unpopular down there to knock on doors? He said, yeah, it is. He said, Mike, there's hardly any churches today knocking on doors. I got to thinking about it. I kind of understand that. You ever been working on your house at Saturday and Jehovah Witness show up? You really want to hide, don't you? Because when I get in a discussion with them, they're not going to agree with me. I'm not going to agree with them. And I know that before we start. And I know where to go for the juggler with them. So I got that part of we're busy people, but you are going. So the fact of it is, if you are happy with this church, can I ask you why or have you or are you inviting people to come to Solid Rock? Especially lost people. Now, if we're not, you need to go to re- read what I taught the, my, our Sunday school class this morning, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. You have left the love of Jesus. Your passion is gone. And you got to repent and come back to him. You know, Billy Graham had a vision of reaching thousands and thousands of people. Did that vision come true? Well, I went to one of those crusades when the old stadium was in downtown Atlanta. He had a vision as a young man to preach on television, but it wasn't so he could be popular, even though he became popular. He became the chaplain of the White House. That wasn't his plan. He had a bird to see people say, you know what? Now, if I had my way, I'd wire every one of these pews. And this is what I'd do. I'd have my little button, but I wouldn't let you see it. And I'd say, I know that it's God's will that you go. And that you share. And if you can't share the love of Jesus, you share where you're going to church and invite them to church. There's nothing wrong with that. Those two little boys, they got saved because their grandparents invited them to church. I'll spend all day here sharing Jesus with people who need to be saved. I don't care. I don't need to eat. But here's what I would love to say. If you don't feel some electricity from this motion, from this plea, from you to go, and I'd like to hit that button and watch all of you. Woo! I wish I could manipulate God's people to do what we're supposed to do. You know, I have to be willing to do that too. I was praying for a couple that came to the Hope for Christmas for the Holidays. And Josh counseled them. And when she got through, I think Josh had called Ashley and said, you're going to take all them presents back. We're getting all the money, and we're going to help people. She came by the church with her husband last week. I said, well, I got to do what I, I can't not. 
well, I thought they were going to be here today, but I invited them. I said, man, won't you come and be a part of us? And maybe they'll yet come, and that's fine. And I, and I don't want them to come if they don't feel led. But are you asking? Do you care? You know, what I'm seeing and what I'm sensing across this country is people that really, they don't care. Well, the rich man in hell cared. For him, it was too late. What is it going to take for this church to be renewed in vision to where we care? care about lost people. We want to see them say. We can talk about it, but when are we going to do it? In just uh, less than five, six weeks, eight weeks away, on campus we'll be having what is called a wild game supper. There'll be men coming. Hopefully other men will bring them, and I've seen anywhere from 100 to 130 men receive Christ. Well, you know what? I bet you they would like some of us to come to their door. As a matter of fact, that's the strategy now of the Southern Baptist Convention. You have your event, and then when you take the people that made any type of decision or whatever, and you go see them because you know they made a contact with you. I say while we're going... We need to be willing to share Jesus because I think we do care. Matthew 9, 37 says, as Jesus, uh, Josh preached, the harvest is great. It's white unto harvest. Now, sometimes it's hard for me to see that. But I kind of got renewed last week when those two little boys, the, white, the field is white unto harvest. And, yep, you can't save them, but you sure can invite them. You can be a part of the process to see them come to know the Lord. I love that verse 938 says, praying to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. He's also in charge of who's listening to me today and who's not. And that is, Jesus had a shortage in workers. And so do we. I, I, I realize, and, and I was listening to a clip from Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt was pastor, was pastor of uh, Woodstock First Baptist, and now he's with the IMB, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. In his clip of how, wanting to be a leader, he said, we do people an injustice when we encourage them to get in. That was me, would to for us to be engaged, but there's no platform for you to work. You know what he did at Woodstock? Eight thousand plus members. He said this. I want you in the pew to pray about what it is you're gifted to do. And give me three days free of that for a year. That makes sense. I don't know what all of you do or can do. 
But have you ever thought about giving three days of what you can do? Or free? Do you not think that we couldn't take that to community and begin to engage in that way? And everybody could get involved. Some of you ladies said, well, I can't build nothing. You can clean a house, can't you? You can blow leaves out of a yard, can't you? You see, it just depends on how serious we are. Some of us have gotten so religious that we've, we've forgotten. We've just forgotten that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. We absolutely need a renewing of our vision. And guess what? You're it now. Once I stood in my living room and I said, you're it now. And then in a daycare center, I looked and we kind of had 30 kids and 10 adults. I said, you're it now. Then we went to the office park, and I stood before 70 to 80. Some of you were at the office park, and I said, you're it now. We have got to be the ones to carry out the vision that Jesus came to give. And today, 2019, I'm sharing with you. There's a call on your life. Now, what are you going to do? My suggestion (laughs) is to make a simple request, because I think the dude's right. If you won't invite one person to be at this church, then I dare say you'll ever go and do anything beyond that. So the altar call, and don't make the commitment if you don't mean it, but that you're going to pray. He says, pray for workers and pray for the lost. And many of you have got lost people already. You work with lost people. Now, I'm not saying go by church members. That's what I'm talking about. Talking about people that don't go nowhere. I know some of you hanging out with some of them. It's okay. But have you invited them to hear the truth? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. When the rich man died... He woke up in hell. When the poor man, Lazarus, died, he woke up in paradise. We have the ability to be able to share a message. But are we going to do it? 
Right now, I believe there are people on your, being put on your mind. I believe right now you could think immediately couples that need to be in God's house. And I want you to make that commitment, not to me. Make that commitment to God that you're going to do everything you can in prayer and with your mouth and love to encourage this year one couple to follow you to the house of God. I believe you can do it. But you have to make that commitment. Well, preacher, are you going to do it? Heck, I'm going to ask everybody. Yes. faithfully do it with you. Would you stand with me? And as Patty begins to sing, some of you come and, and just deal with Jesus about that commitment because he's got to make it happen for you. He's got to be involved. That's Three.